You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. As well, you can hear these podcasts at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. There are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 98, by Rudolf Steiner, entitled Nature and Spirit Beings, Their Activity in Our Visible World. Uh, It's the listener notes of 18 lectures, uh, translated by Christian von Arnhem. This is Lecture 10, given in Munich on the 15th of January, 1908. The title is The Effects of Some Supersensory Beings on the Human Being. Last time we dealt with the subject which led us up from our physical world into higher worlds by means of what is called the elemental kingdoms. And at that time we were able to take the opportunity to look into the complicated nature of human beings, all their various connections, how many different threads lead up from the human being into the higher worlds. It is useful to develop this subject a little today. In this context, it will be necessary to make a brief comment beforehand. We would not be able to make good progress in theosophical reflections if we only dealt with the basic facts. If we did that, many of the members would have to return to the same things over and again. By basic things, however, we need not only understand what we hear about at the beginning of the theosophical worldview, but also what is slightly different from what a sensible person of today can understand. That is to say, a sensible person of today will at most accept a very small part of what rises above the physical world. There may be some people who assume such things, but they say that we cannot know anything for certain about them, even if it is not completely insane. The latter, however, is the accusation thrown at what corresponds to the higher realms of theosophical illumination. These higher regions are not only meant in such a way that a higher degree of understanding is necessary in order to listen to and understand them, but they include all the feelings which one can only have if one has long sought knowledge in theosophical life. In a certain respect, we may expect more of someone who has been involved in this life for a long time. Those who have only been with us for a short time are asked to tell themselves that today's subject will be somewhat more removed from what is usually said. But it is not so difficult to say to yourself, some things may seem a little fantastic and dreamy to me at first, but when I have thought along these lines for some time, they will no longer seem so strange to me. It could be that some things seem insane to me just now, but when I have acquired a feeling for them, they will no longer appear to me in that light. That having been said, let us approach with impartiality the subject which, for those who have advanced in their feelings, constitutes a higher chapter of the theosophical worldview. If with the open eye, E-Y-E, of the clairvoyant, we penetrate further and further into the higher worlds of which we have already spoken several times, into the astral world, the lower and higher Devakan, we see that there are beings there which do not incarnate themselves down into our physical world, which do not assume a physical body, but which are, nevertheless, 
self-contained beings like the human beings here on our plane. When the human being moves up from the solid ground of the physical world into the higher worlds, they must distinguish between two different kinds of beings. The one kind sends its manifestations down to the physical plane. The other kind either does not reveal itself at all or manifests itself in such a way on the physical plane that this manifestation can hardly be grasped by ordinary perception. Let us remember groups of animals that belong together, that are shaped alike and are related to each other. They have a group soul, a group I, capital, in the astral world. When we observe such a group I on the astral plane, such a being there is as much a self-contained being, a personality, as the human being is a self-contained personality on the physical plane. The clairvoyant encounters the group souls of the animals there, just as we encounter human beings here. They are individual self-contained personalities on the astral plane, and only their manifestations are sent as far as the physical world. It is just as if I were separated from you by a wall, which, however, has holes so that I can put my fingers through them. We could then also say, I see something that belongs to another being. That is roughly what it is like when you look at a lion. The soul to which it belongs is also like behind a wall, and all lions are like fingers stretched out. So we meet these group eyes as self-contained beings on the astral plane. So they are easily found in their manifestations in the physical world. We see the organs that are stretched out. But it is not the case with all astral beings that one can easily observe their manifestations. The human being does not even suspect the presence of these astral beings if their senses are not sharpened. Thus the human being meets personalities on the astral plane who are partly known to them and also other beings who give the impression of being unknown to them, whom they do not know so well from the physical plane. These beings are new to them in a certain respect. The astral plane is very populous and many things live there which human beings could not imagine possible. This is not to claim that these beings have no effect at all on the physical plane. On the contrary, they have a tremendous effect on human beings. We only realize how complicated the connections are when we look at everything that is involved. We meet these beings and some of them give the impression of being extraordinarily gentle, mild beings who also live very peaceably among themselves. But we also meet others who cannot exactly be characterized in this way, who have all kinds of malicious qualities and who, above all, pose a danger when they come close to human beings. The peculiar thing about these beings is that all our ideas about spatial relationships, which we have from the physical world, become obsolete. If we do not want to be fantastical, we must gradually settle into ideas that are quite different from those we usually have. In the case of these not very sympathetic beings, we find that they are basically not where we perceive them to be, but quite elsewhere. Their effects are in the astral world, but their home is not there. A rough comparison would be the following. Think of a worker who lives outside the city and goes to work in the city every morning. He has his field of work there, 
but lives outside. That is a rough comparison. The following comparison is a little better, but it is also very fantastical. Imagine that the worker lives far away from Munich, but has elastic arms so that he can do his work hours away. You must acquire ideas of quite different spatial relationships from those with which you are familiar on the physical plane. Any being of an astral nature can dwell on another planet and yet exert its effects here on the astral plane for the separation of spatial relations no longer exists. These effects which it exerts from other cosmic bodies appear on earth. We must avoid wanting to investigate the spiritual world only with the ideas formed in the physical world, but we must make an effort to form new ideas. Those beings of which I spoke to you just now, that they belong to the unsympathetic beings, are moon beings. That is their real home. You can make the observation with clairvoyant eyes in the same way as if you saw their stretched out fingers here in Munich and would have to go from the city for hours to observe the being itself. You will find that such beings have their fingers in the pie here on earth. But if you follow the force lines, you will come to the moon. That is where they have their home. The moon really is populated in this way. These beings do not have the dense physicality of our earthly beings, although they also have a body. But this is so diluted that it expresses itself in astral form on earth. We could compare them with dwarf-like beings who do not grow taller than a six- or seven-year-old child. These beings have a peculiarity which is due to the conditions on the moon and which will seem quite strange to you. But if all worlds were the same, it would not be necessary for so many to exist. This peculiarity consists in the fact that they can roar with infinite power. Their instruments for roaring are extraordinarily well developed. These beings first express themselves on the earthly astral plane. They are not always and everywhere present, but are attracted by certain conditions of our life. The actions of such beings are to be found in certain places, especially where mediums, somnambulists are, where very specific things are present. There they penetrate with their effects and actions and express themselves with regard to human beings in a very unsympathetic manner. They can also be found where lower passions unfold. On the other hand, you can find the benign beings of the astral plane where extraordinarily philanthropic passions run free. In any charitable society where real charity lives in the souls, something is stimulated which attracts such beings into the surroundings of the people, so that the human being actually exerts an attraction on certain beings through what they do, what emanates from them by virtue of their qualities, and thus establishes a connection with distant cosmic bodies which is brought about through the expression of the actions of the cosmic beings in human souls. The beings I just referred to, which are gentle and mild, also have their home on another planet, namely on Mars. From there they have their effects on the earth. So these beings work by, one might say, traversing the vastness of space with their actions. Everything apart from the physical that is really an effect from one planet to another, 
is based on such relationships between the inhabitants of cosmic bodies. You see, then, that when we come up into the higher worlds, we find very strange companions. It is no use saying that there are spiritual worlds and so on. The human being must get to know these beings. If we now ascend to still higher worlds with the clairvoyant faculty, we come to the lower Devakan plane, the lower spiritual world. It too penetrates our physical and astral world. There we find the group eyes, capital of the plants. You already know that the plants that cover the earth are united into large groups to which a group eye then corresponds. These group eyes are to be found on the Devakan plane, but they are in the first instance located in the center of the earth. There all the group eyes of the plants have their center. And if you imagine the whole earth in this way, you see it as a great organism in which the various group eyes of the plants also interpenetrate. This sum of group eyes of the plants feels suffering and joy, pleasure and pain, just as the human organism does. We can state exactly how pleasure and suffering exist in this earth organism. We know that picking plants gives pleasure, even delight, a feeling of well-being, a feeling of well-being similar to that which the cow feels when the calf suckles its milk. The uprooting of the root, on the other hand, hurts the earth organism, causes it discomfort. Thus, if you see how we can state specifically how the beings of the Devakonic world feel. What we do on earth is not just a sober fact, but when we do this or that, we give some being pleasure or pain, joy or suffering. When the reaper cuts through the stalks, a breath of well-being, which the plant soul feels, passes over the fields. Thus the person who has a sense of these things passes over the earth, learning to sympathize with the spiritual beings who live in the higher worlds, and who again only send their organs into the physical world. But once we enter these devakonic regions, then we encounter other beings who do not send their actions into the physical world in such an open way, but who express themselves in a much more hidden way. Here again two kinds of beings are to be distinguished. On the one hand, extraordinarily gentle, mild beings that radiate harmony, and on the other hand, predator-like beings that are constantly in battle with each other. These also have their home on another planet and express their actions only on the Devakan plane. They are rooted on Venus. There they are found as inhabitants of this planet if we visit it with spiritual sight. Thus there are new acquaintances for each of the worlds if we first start from the physical plane, from what we see as gross matter, and then rise to the origin of the beings. If you start from whole groups of plants, groups of animals, you will find the plant soul, the animal soul. But then you will also be able to find other beings who do not express themselves in such a grossly sensory way on the physical plane. Instead of plants or animals, we can also start from minerals or stones. And here we find the beings in the higher Devakan. These also feel pleasure and suffering, joy and pain. When the clairvoyant looks at a quarry, 
where the workers crush and chip the stones, they see how the mineral soul experiences something. We must not draw conclusions here by analogies and similes. Crushing with a hammer does not hurt. A breath of well-being emanates by crushing the stones. A feeling of pain is present when you want to recombine the stones from separated masses of rock. When you want to crystallize a whole, again, from scattered masses, pain is inflicted. In this way, you can also learn to empathize with the mineral world, with the I, capital of minerals, and experience what it does. Once again, however, we learn to recognize beings here that do not express themselves in such a gross, crude way in the physical world. Again, let us consider two types as the most conspicuous here. They are those who have a peculiar spiritual constitution. They are difficult to describe, but you will get an idea about them if you imagine an extraordinarily gifted being who, in order to make inventions, does not need to think much at all but is already prompted by their perceptions to reshape the object in some ingenious way. They are beings who live in a certain way in perception, without thinking as such, playing such a great part. They are very strange beings of extraordinary inventiveness, which, however, is only based on perception, not on thinking. Opposed to these are other beings who are just as unsympathetic as these are sympathetic. These other beings can be characterized in that they also live in the world of perception in this way, do not think particularly, but especially seek out the perceptions which for us humans are dreadful, horrible perceptions. That represents pleasure for them. That is what they rummage in. These beings have their home on Saturn, just as the others that have been described live on the moon, Mars and Venus. So, there we have a perspective on the higher beings. We could ask, but why should all these beings be relevant to us? It might seem like idle curiosity to concern ourselves with them. But they do concern us very much. For even if they do not announce themselves so obviously in the physical world, they nevertheless express themselves in their effects in a way that is extraordinarily important for human beings. And here we are led by these beings, as if by ourselves, to an effect of these beings that is normal for us humans. What has been said about somnambulists and so on is in a certain way an exceptional state. But they also have quite normal effects on human beings, for some more, for others less. What effects they have on us comes before our soul, when we look at the human being in a certain way in relation to their constitution, to the fluids that flow through them. Different kinds of fluid flow through the human being. Let us first consider the nutritional fluid, the chyle. The food is ingested with the most diverse elements, is digested, passes into the intestines, and is forced through the intestinal walls by the organs located there, in order to be used in the appropriate way for rebuilding the body. This is the one current that penetrates the human being. It has its source in the ingested food. Another type of fluid is the lymph, a fluid that runs in vessels, some of which run together with the blood vessels that collect in the abdominal cavity. 
but which also flows through the whole organism in a certain way. These have a peculiarity which we shall discuss another time. That all these lymphatic vessels, which come from the left side of the torso and head, gather and flow into the left subclavial cavity. Only the flows coming from the right part of the body are separated from this. This has an occult meaning. A third fluid is the blood, which in turn flows through the human organism in a great variety of ways. Anyone who looks at the human body with materialistic eyes only sees in these substances, blood and so on, entities which can be analyzed chemically, which are made up of these and these chemical parts. But anyone who sees with clairvoyant eyes knows that there is spirit everywhere, that all matter is based on spirit. Whatever you may see, gold that runs through the earthen veins, quicksilver that settles in drops, it is the expression of a soul entity. And so the person who examines the three fluids with a spiritual eye, E-Y-E, knows that little is said by examining the fluids chemically and so on. With the fluids, spiritual beings pass through the organism. With the blood, spiritual beings flow through the human body, likewise with lymph and chyle. Only the person who understands these fluids as expressions of spiritual beings understands them properly. Only the person who knows that spirits who exist in the world and in our environment flow through us from all sides, from above to below and so on, can place the human being correctly in the earthly organism, on the earthly scene. Only one of the three named fluids is a more or less independent expression of the human eye. That is the blood. The blood is the physical expression of the eye, capital so that we can say, as the blood pulsates through the body, the human eye flows through the body. But the human being is master of their organism in relation to their blood, only to a certain degree, which is greater in one person and lesser in another. It is not like that with the lymph. It is not our own eye that lives in it, but other beings, astral beings, that have their home on the moon and Mars. As the lymph forms and deforms, these beings penetrate into the human being. And as the lymph flows through the latter, the force lines, the actions of these entities, flow through them. Now consider that the eye has a purifying effect on the astral body. To the same extent that the human being becomes master of the astral body, to the same extent they also become master of the spirits or their effects, which flow through the body through the lymph, so that the human being, through purification, through cleansing of their astral body, increasingly restricts the arbitrary actions of these beings. You can see what you do spiritually by ensuring that intellectuality is trained, that ethics become purer and nobler, that aesthetic feeling is purified. In this way you can change the effects which emanate from the beings of the astral plane mentioned earlier. These beings lose terrain in you. Higher development consists in a person increasingly becoming an expression of their own being. Just as in the lymph the astral beings pass through us and flow through us, 
so the venous beings permeate the nutritional fluid. It is not controlled by lower beings, but by higher beings. It requires a higher power also to make the composition of the chyle an expression of our own personality. If you remember that these beings are the companions of the plant souls, the plant eyes, you will see that these beings essentially take their point of attack from the kind of food that a person eats. That is why people differ according to race and nation in the various regions of our globe, because they eat different kinds of food. And when the human being gradually learns to emancipate themselves from the randomness of food, when they choose food according to the principles of spiritual knowledge, then they gradually attain power over this nutritional fluid. They emancipate themselves from these beings who work from outside. That is why such great importance is attached to food, which has an effect on the human being in one way or another. What we eat contains the forces of certain beings, and as we gain influence over these, so we make ourselves the ruler of our organism. In fact, by consciously choosing our food, we exorcise spirits by which we were previously possessed. In fact, the human being has mastery over their blood only in a certain way, but they can also gain mastery over other fluids. If you try to understand how Humans attract these beings, bad beings, through this or that food. You will understand what significance this has for education, medicine, and other sciences. It is not enough merely to say the human being must perfect themselves. We have to deal with the details of how we can perfect ourselves. The Saturn beings influence another area of our existence. Because they live entirely in outer perception, They influence our outer perception. It matters whether a person passionately turns their eyes and senses toward what is disgusting and lowly, or whether they turn their eyes with a certain attraction toward what is beautiful and noble in the world. Depending on this, good or evil Saturn beings gain their influence over the human being. Beings creep into a person, like with the nutritional fluid in the lymph, in the passion with which that person draws in some sense impression in this respect. It is never without side effects when you direct your gaze at sense impressions. You take in the actions of spiritual beings with every glance. If you see a beautiful, noble picture, not only does what is visible to you flow into you, but spiritual beings flow in with what you see. If you listen to voluptuous music, the spiritual power of Saturn beings also flows in. Thus you can appreciate how complicated life is as soon as you penetrate to the spiritual foundations. The effect of the sensory impressions we call smell is particularly strong. With sense, the human being absorbs a vast number of effects of spiritual beings. You can consciously influence a person by conveying the effect of horrible beings with sense. Many a perfume would not be used if the person knew what effects it has on their fellow human beings. In the intrigues of many a noble house, it was not only words that played a role, but there were times when personalities well knew how to beguile their fellow human beings through the effects of perfume and aroma.
The most important things in life elude the senses, and human beings live their lives unconsciously, without suspecting the effects of spiritual beings, to which they are always exposed. The end of Lecture 10